I'm doing a series. Um, I'm going to do a short series called Winning uh, Ways at Work. And uh, we spend a lot of our time working, and um, work is a big part of our life. Not just official work, work where you go get a job or you punch in a, a clock, but unofficial work. So I'm not talking about, you, you, this doesn't apply if you're um, a, a stay-at-home dad and you do diapers all day. Everybody knows that's just as much work. Um, work is work, all right? Um, I want to say a couple of things to set this up. First of all, um, work is good, all right? Work is good. It's, <clears throat> it's good to work. I heard a sermon years and years and years ago about a guy talking about how work is a curse, <clears throat> And uh, he took some scripture from Genesis and talked about, therefore, you know, he had to go and, and it was thorns and thistles and he had to leave the garden and, and, and it's a curse. No, it's not a curse. Um, work is a blessing. And that's when I started the series uh, a couple weeks ago. That's what I talked about, how God created us. He, God said, let us make man in our image. And he is a creator. And so he created little mini, what? Creators. You're a creator. You can create things. These guys just created a beautiful worship experience for us. They created it. They put it together. They worked on it. They crafted it so we could experience something. If they didn't do that, there would have been nothing. All right? They created. God gives us this ability to be creative, to work. So this is really important. Listen, it's never good when you don't work. It's just never good when you don't work. And some of you will say, well, yeah, but I'm retired and I did all my whole thing so I could not work. I get it. I get it, right? It's just your work then should change, change from going to Ford to get a paycheck to somewhere else to make a difference, whether you get a paycheck, whether you have a boss. And people don't do well when they don't work. Because God made us to contribute. You hear all kinds of stories and anecdotes I won't go into about people actually, you know, dying not long after their retirement because they don't re-engage into something that's meaningful. God made you to work. Mm. That's why I started this series a couple weeks ago. We got interrupted by Taste Fest and we're back. But that's why I had so many parents going, oh, I want my kids to hear this sermon, right? Listen, God made you to work. You were built to work. And the other part of my, uh, just recapping before I go forward is, ready? This is deep. Jesus had a job. He had a job. Like, what, what we really, we don't think about it that way, do we? Let's be honest. How many of you ever thought about it? No, we don't think about it. We're like, well, if you press me, I guess I would answer, yeah, he was a carpenter or something. But we don't think about it. We pick up the story 30 years in. And there were 30 years of work. You say, well, you didn't work. For, oh, trust me, if you've ever been in a third world country, you know kids start working as soon as they can pick something up. He started working in the family business from the time he was a child. And he worked 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 and he worked. He had a J-O-B. Huh? And the other thing we said is all work is sacred. All of it is sacred. All of it is important. All of it matters. And so all of us have a place in this. So um, I won't get into this now, but let me just say one more thing. Because I I always have the yeah buts ready. I'm always ready for the emails. As I'm giving the message, I'm listening to the emails coming in. Listen, listen. All right? Because some of you go, yeah, but. 
Yes, but, um, you know, Jesus didn't have to work in a job like we had to work at because I work at these big corporations, and you know how big corporations are, and da, 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 da. Ready? Right. There was no Ford or GM or massive mega corporations or Apple in Jesus' day. Listen. But he was still working for the man. He still was. The Roman emperor. Remember when he came to him and says, the, what about the coin? What should I give? This, should I give this or this? And he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God's what is God's. He worked for the man. It was just the man was the, was, was the empire, the Roman empire. So I'm going to get back to that. I'm going to hopefully circle all the way back to that in a minute. But just don't try to pull Jesus out of the context of a regular working person hard-working person, probably working in unideal environments. Am I talking to anybody yet? All right, now, what I want to talk about today is what happens when you hit the wall. When you, when you hit the wall at work, you're, you're working and you're, you're not recognized, you're not promoted, you're not advanced. Some of you are unadvanced or de-advanced. Um, you're shoved sideways. What happens when you hit the wall at work? And what I want to talk about is so important um, because some people take a position of pouting. You know, I'm just going to pout. I'm going to stick my head down and I'm just going to kind of complain and I'm going to say snarky things in the, in the, in the break room and I'm, I'm going to take this attitude. Some people take this attitude that is, I am just going to be a mild cancer in my organization because I feel like I was wrong. This is so important. What are you and I going to do when we hit the wall, when we are no longer recognized? And here's what I'd like to say to you. I think you can lead even when you're not in charge. I think you can lead even when you're not in charge. I think you can, you can make a difference. You can make people change their minds even when you're not the boss. To quote Jesus, he who is, Luke 16, he who is faithful with a little bit will one day be ruler over much. All right? If you're faithful with a little bit, you will be ruler over much. What is that saying? Well, whatever your job is, you say, Chris, my job's so silly, it's so meaningless, it's so menial. Listen, you have something that you are responsible for, however little it is. And if you take passion and purpose into that little tiny thing and you put your heart and your soul into it, what the scripture says and Jesus taught was that eventually, because what do managers do? They look for people that are faithful. They look for people that make a difference. They look for people that, and here, here I hear the, yeah, but Chris, you don't know my manager. Yeah, but you don't hear. Okay, I'm going to get to that. Everybody's chill, all right? The general, way, the general way things work in relatively healthy organizations is you look for people. You don't look across your team and find the guy from the bullpen that's doing the worst. You look for the guy that's doing the best, and you promote him. You pull him up. You get him more responsibility. It's just how things work. It's what Jesus talked about. 
too often people sit back and they either pout or they become a cancer or they do what I call humility gone wild. I know how to make a difference, but I'm not going to say anything unless they call on me. I'm just humble. I'm just going to sit here. And I have an answer. I have a solution. I can help this organization. I can make us go further, faster. I can make a difference, but I... I'm going to wait until they call on me. Humility gone wild, right? I am so proud of how humble I am about this situation. Who cares that I'm not making a difference in the world? Who cares that I'm not helping my boss, right? I'm showing my boss. I'm sticking it to him because he didn't ask me. He didn't invite me to this meeting. So I'm sticking it to him. Can you see Jesus doing that? I can't. He had a job. There's some way, some reason, I think, that he always was trying to lead. If I could say this, I think this is the basic thing of what Jesus' entire ministry was about, was leading up. Why do you, how many times have I told the story here about going the extra mile, the second mile, right? Because why? In the first mile, the Roman soldier is in charge. You have to take my backpack one mile. When you get past the first mile, now who's leading? You are. You're going above and beyond. Now you're influencing the person that's in authority over you. I don't have to do this. I want to do this. Now think about this. We have such a great example in the scriptures. Joseph right? Talk about hitting the wall, huh? Just a quick review of Joseph's story. Young man with dreams and aspirations, and he tells his dreams to his family. Some people have said, well, that's kind of arrogant. You shouldn't do that. I think if you can't tell your dreams to your family, who can you tell them to? It did happen that the, the father, the son, the brothers were bowing down to him in his dreams. I don't think he was saying, I want you to bow down to me right now. He's like, help me. I, what, what's this dream about, huh? Sam has that dream every morning. The brother's all bowing down to him, you know? And you... Is that right? Did I get that right, Sam? (laughs) So, look. He just told his dream. They squashed it. Even the father squashed it. He didn't say, bow down to me right now. Now, if they would have known the context of the dream that I'm going to be ruler of the, of the entire known world at that time, of Pharaoh, right next to Pharaoh himself, they would have go, we're in, bro. Cabinet positions all around. But they shut the dream down. Not only did they shut it down, see, this is important because some of you have dreams for your life. You have things that you want to do. There's things. And you've let the wall crush your dream. You've let the man shut you down. So Joseph gets in there, and then, and then they grab him. They, they're going to they're gonna kill him, and they decide not to kill him at the last minute. And they, they, they put him in a, a cistern that's dry. There's no water in it. And then they're trying to decide what to do, and they see these traitors coming by. And these traitors from, from Midian, a faraway place... And one of the brothers says, you know what? Let's not kill him. Let's sell him. Then we won't have blood on our hands, but we will be rid of him. And that's what they do, and they sell him. And he goes off, and he ends up in Egypt. And he ends up in Egypt at the home of a man named Potiphar. And the interesting thing about the story is, Joseph ends up in the home. He's a servant now. Now he doesn't have any authority 
right? He's a slave. He has no authority whatsoever. And what does he do immediately? He starts leading. Uh, Joseph, can you clean that stall? Yes, sir. He buffs the stall. He buffs it, man. Now, I, I, I can't say I've never been in that position. I can't say that I wouldn't be spitting and mad and doing the worst job possible and creating all kinds of havoc. But I don't know, somehow Joseph had the attitude like, I'm going to work my way out of this. And he made that stall shine. Potiphar said, man, this kid's something. And if you've ever been a boss of any kind, you know the difference between when you ask someone to do something and they make it shine and they get by. When they put their heart and soul into something and when they just slough it by. And when you notice when someone makes something shine, you go, man. And then he started handing him another job and another job and another job. And then the scripture says this. And everything Joseph did, the Lord was with him. It was like he made everything shine. And guess what a person does? He keeps handing him more and more stuff. And then it goes to this. In Genesis 37, it says this. Then he gave him everything in his house. There was nothing to which Joseph was not in charge of. He gave him the checkbook. He gave him the bank account numbers. He gave him everything. He says, run the whole operation. Why? Because any manager knows if you have someone that's good, that will get it done right and on time and with squeaky clean, you give it to them because you can do other things. He gave him the whole operation. This is your operation, Joseph. And Joseph ran it beautifully, seamlessly. Kept making Potiphar prosper and things good for him and taking things off of his plate. And you just get this picture that was just amazing until Potiphar's wife comes in the picture. She has the hots for him. You should read the Bible. I'm not kidding. If they put a trashy romance number on the cover of the Bible, people would read it. You know what I mean? Like Fabio and all this stuff. I mean, people would read it. Look, she gets the hots for him. And he shuts her down. No, this is, this is, uh, your husband, my master has put me in charge of everything. This is a no can do. And she's frustrated. I mean, she really has the hots for him. One time she grabs his coat. Anyway, she makes up a story. She lies about him. He gets lied about and accused wrongly. He comes home. She's got his coat. She tells a big story. He doesn't want to hear anymore. Joseph's out. Hits the wall. Anybody ever hit the wall at work? I cannot, right? How angry would you be? How, how angry would I be about Joseph? I got sold as a slave. I worked my tail off. I did all that. I was faithful. I, hits the wall. Now he's going to prison. His prison, he's transferred. He ends up in a prison. And what does he do? The same thing. Starts doing, doing things for the guy that's in charge of the prison. Instead of being mad and bitter at this guy that's next to him, who's in the system, right? How many know that every way that you're mad at's in the system too? They have their own frustrations and their own problems. And I think Joseph got in that prison and he said, I'm going to make life as good as I can for my jailer. He's had a bunch of people yelling at him and doing stuff to him. I had, I had a friend who was a jailer. He worked in a prison system. It changed him. To his admission, it changed me. It made me a worse person for a while. 
I was shorter with my wife, my kids. I, because why? You have prisoners trying to take advantage of game you, play you all day long. So then you have a fresh wind like Joseph come in and say, you know what, sir? I know you don't trust me now, but I'm going to earn your trust. He probably had a really cantankerous person over him. And just assume that Joseph was going to be like everybody else. And he says, I'm going to show you something, sir. And whatever he did brought him through the ranks. Same thing. I'll clean that better than anyone's ever cleaned it before. Some of us hate doing menial things. But you know what? If we did menial things with the best of our ability, huh? If we put the dishes away well, say, Chris, no, you're talking, it's not, no, I'm not. If what we did, we put all of our heart into, first of all, God would notice, but then other people would notice. And the next thing that happened, Joseph rises again. Now he's in charge of the whole prison area. He's under the guard. He rises again. Think about it. What a story. But what happens? One of the guys in the prison... The cupbearer, these two guys have dreams. I'll make it short, but Joseph was good at interpreting dreams. He interprets a dream for the cupbearer who was going to be reestablished as a cupbearer to Pharaoh. And he just says to him, he says on the way up, hey, when you get up there, don't forget me, man. We've been down here in prison together, and everybody knew Joseph had a great reputation. And he did him a solid. He told him what the dream was. So when he got up there, and guess what happened, the scripture says. When the cupbearer got restored to his position, he forgot about him. And I can't tell you how many people I know have this story. I did, I did, I did, I did. And then when the time came for promotion, I was forgotten. All these walls kept hitting wall after wall after wall. This is so important. But eventually, Pharaoh had a dream. And the cupbearer said, you know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm now starting to remember There was a guy in prison that was great at this. Let me get him for you. And he goes back and he gets Joseph. And he brings him up. And the Pharaoh tells his dream to Joseph. And Joseph interprets the dream. And the Pharaoh is so impressed. He wants to hear more from Joseph. And it's about a famine that's coming. And, 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 and so, so he keeps, and he says, I want to hear more from Joseph. And Joseph says, here's what you should do. Now, listen, this is so important. If you've ever hit the wall at work, this is so important. When his turn came, he was ready. Listen, when his turn came, he was ready. He had a plan, and he put it on the desk. He put it right there. He says, here's what I would do. I would hire someone to do this. I would store up grain because we're going to have seven years of bonus followed by seven years of lack. Good wisdom for anybody in any time. Hello, 2008. Brothers and sisters, how many want to do over from 2006 and seven? Huh? I want to gather a little extra, save a little more. Oh, we don't want to talk about that now. Forget about it like it never. Okay, so look, here's the thing. He had a plan. Now, this is important. But he wasn't a part of the plan per se. In other words, he didn't say, just let me do it. He said, here's a solution that will work for you. You need to get a manager to do this and to take all this extra grain and to set it aside. And Pharaoh leaned back and thought, hmm, that's exactly what I should do. Who could do this? 
who can do this? And he goes, why not you? And Joseph said, I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) Ah, ah, Right? And his day came. Everybody hits a wall. This is so important. Everybody hits a wall. Everybody. The best of the best, they hit a wall. But you can't turn in and pout and become a cancer. You have to stay engaged. Listen to me. No matter what. I mean, this is the extreme example in prisons and lied about and everything. He stayed. He stayed. He stayed. He stayed committed. He made a difference everywhere that he was. And then, when his time came, he spoke up. I think we should do this. I've seen some people that never, they never speak up. They never say anything. There's this idea that I'm just going to sit there and it's all going to come. No, no, no. There are times you have to speak up. Do any of you know the, like the story from Matthew when, when there's, there's this, this woman from uh, a, a remote part a, a, and she comes to Jesus because she has... Uh, one of her children is, is tormented, and he knows, she knows Jesus can heal her. And Jesus speaks very derogatory, which is a whole other sermon I'd like to get into. But talk about hitting the wall. This lady hits the wall, Matthew 15. And he says, uh, you don't take, this is what Jesus said, kind of rough, kind of rough. Because <laughs> she says she's, she's pleading for her son, and Jesus says, you don't take what is for the kids and give it to the dogs. Right? Good example. You don't take... If you're trying to feed your children, you don't give that to the dogs. And she has a comeback. She says, yeah, but even the dogs get to lick the crumbs that fall. Think about it. Even the dogs get to suck up the crumbs. Call me a dog. Call my kids a dog. Whatever you want. She stayed in there. I'm going to get something. Now, this is so important. Why? Because some of you, when you've given up on leading, you've given up on staying engaged. You just put your head down and you're looking for retirement. You're just cashing it in. There's no way to live. There's just no way to live. So she stayed. Nope, I'm going to get something. I'm going to get something. And she, she stayed. And how many know if Jesus told you some sort of story like that, you'd go, oh, let's take the dogs and go home, right? She said, no, 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 I'm getting something. I'm, I'm going to stay engaged. Now, I, I don't know if you know this. I don't, was it, I'm not sure if it was yesterday. It, it might have been yesterday. The kicker from Texas Lutheran University got his kick blocked. Did you see this? He got it blocked. So he kicks the ball and it's blocked. And as soon as the kick is blocked, you just kind of like, everybody goes, ah. Oh. But the ball kind of bounced around right there. So he just walked up there and kicked it again, and it goes in. <laughs> huh? You have to watch the video. The, the, the referee under the goalpost goes. Huh? He goes. And he's looking at the other guys like, is it, is it this or that? He doesn't know what to do. I love it. Kick it again. Just kick it again. You get blocked. You hit the wall. You kick it again. You just kick it again. And there's a whole article on. There's a whole article you can read on. They don't know if it's legal or not. They got credit for it, though. They, don't, they can't decide in the rule book if it's legal or not. But it's too late. He scored. I scored. Look, look. Just kick it again. 
Some of you are like, I'm stuck. Look at Joseph. He just kicked it again. He just kicked it again. He just kicked it again. You have just got to stay in the game, man. Keep your eye on the ball and take another whack at it, right? And God will see. God will get you there. It will happen in time. Just don't quit. See, here's the thing. Your boss has stuff to do too. He, she, they're a human being. They got problems and stress too. Make life amazing for them. You go to your boss this week and say, can I take you out to coffee? You must have a lot of stress. I want to tell you all of your stresses. I want to see if I can take any stress I can off of you. First of all, they'll have a heart attack, so have the paddles ready. All right? What are you talking about? But why wouldn't we do this? Why wouldn't we see it as our responsibility as an employee to take as much stress as we could off of those above us? All right? Now, if he says you're the number one stress, you've got problems. All right? You've got problems right out of the gate. But that's okay. You can work with that. <laughs> Funny you should ask. Oh, man, we're going to be out of time. All right, so look. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're going, to get, you're going to get no. You're going to get shut down. All these things are going to happen. But this is, what you, this is what's so important. I think what we need to do is understand we push back. We lead. We influence. We're constantly, we're constantly trying to make where we are and what we are better. We don't cave into bad attitudes and negativity. Have you ever been in a with people and they just they just don't want to be there and all the, there's literally like some kind of energy in the room and the energy just leaves when someone comes in just pouting you're not always going to get what you want but you keep kicking you keep coming back you be like that woman going after her, going to Jesus with her son. You be like that kicker. You just keep coming and keep coming. And every instance that you have, you do the very best that you can. You keep cleaning the stall. If you ever read in the Old Testament, because I, I know where this is going. I know where our minds, your minds are going. They're going to the real extreme. I got this really, really bad boss, and you don't know what you're talking about, Chris, and you don't know how bad it is. Okay, I get it. Listen. David and Saul, read their relationship. It, it just doesn't get much more contentious than that. Jealous. By the way, jealousy is always a big part of it. It was a big part of Joseph's story. It was a big part of it in David and Saul's story. Saul is jealous of David. And so David works for him. But the early on, this is so important. David, it says, soothed Saul. He soothed him. He, he played music. He said, it's not my job to make my boss happy. I just got to do my job. These are some of the attitudes that are coming out now. It ain't my job to make anybody happy. It's just my job to do my job. Is it? What if you soothed people? What if you, when you came in the room, it was like someone turned the music on. Someone brought the groove back. Right? Somebody got the BGs going. Right? I mean, it was just, it was just groovy. It was, it was, what happens if when you show up, you're like David with the harp. The truth is, is life is stressful for a lot of people. You be the soother. 
You be the bright light. Now, here's why we can't. Listen. We can't if we aren't there ourselves. I'm not passionate. I'm not in love with God and life. And I'm just not in love. I, I, I'm just pouty and cantankerous. And it, it just bleeds. So the first person you have to lead is, guess who? So you're kind of a weird deal. <laughs> so am I. You are you, but then you are the boss of you. There's the you that can observe the you that is performing and doing his or her job. Remember how, how frustrated Paul got with himself in Romans 7? He goes, the thing I want to do, I don't do. Anybody get frustrated with yourself and your actions? And the thing that I don't want to do, I end up doing. I'm not going to have a bad, I'm not going to snap at him. I'm not going to, right? And I, he goes, the first thing you have to lead is you have to lead yourself. When you show up, this is a question I have for you. When you show up, does the music come on? Do people go, ah? Oh. What does it mean that Saul was soothed? It was they had so much stress and tension being a king. Can you imagine the pressure? Like, oh, David's here. Do people just exhale in relief when you walk in the room? It doesn't mean you don't challenge them. It doesn't mean you don't bring interesting dilemmas to them. No. But I mean, th- this, is, this, this is the important thing. Now, I'm going I'm to close with this, and we're going we're to share communion together. We're going to talk about Jesus. Because no one led up more than Jesus of Nazareth. No one. He led up. Remember when he was on trial? And they're taking him. He has no authority, right? They, they grab him. The Romans grab him. The, the Jewish authorities grab him. He's, he's, he's underneath the high priest in terms of his Jewish faith and religion and, and, and nationality. He's under Pontius Pilate as a part of the Roman Empire. He has no authority, but he still decides to lead. Listen, he has no authority but he still decides to lead. He doesn't cash out. He doesn't check in. He doesn't just say, well, I'm done. Jesus says, how can I leverage this? If I die, the world's going to find out that I died innocently. This could create a revolution. Years later, they recorded in the, in the book of Acts, They turned the world upside down. Jesus literally, with his act, turned the world. Now, I'm not asking everyone to go get crucified by your boss. But here's what I am saying. Here's what I am saying. It will take some sacrifice. Right? But you can make a difference. These are the things that Mahatma Gandhi, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, all these were all inspired by Jesus of Nazareth, that he changed the world by leading up, not by letting the system get to him. I'm going to change. So I'm using the most extreme example of evil or negativity or the worst boss in the world to say you can still lead up. You can still make a difference.